0: What a sweet hour of worship this morning. I invite you to open your Bible to the book of Romans, chapter number 8. Do you have your copy of God's Word? I hope that you do, and that you'll turn it on or find it on your electronic device or are your old-fashioned Bible, all right? And uh, if you will find with me Romans chapter 8. And we're going to begin today with verse number three. And so, if you'll look with me to Romans chapter eight, beginning for verse number three. For what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life, and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law and indeed it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we open your word together today, I ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts, reminding us of the new liberty that we have in Jesus, reminding us of the atonement that was paid for all of our sin reminding us of the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in our hearts, reminding us, Father, of the new life that you've called us to live and empowered us to live. Oh, Father, today we cast our burdens and cares on you because we know that you care for us. The things that disturb us, the things that disappoint us, the things that stress us out, the things that cause us to feel guilty and shameful. We confess these things to you. Father, we thank you that the blood of Jesus Christ, your son, cleanses us From all of our unrighteousness. And Father this day. We trust in you. Thank you that you have not left us. But you are with us. And thank you Father that your spirit resides in us. Now Father may we walk in your spirit. Lord, on this day, we're conscious and mindful of the many distressed through the terrible storms with Hurricane Ian. The many that are homeless and distressed, many missing. Lord, we pray you'd be near to them and help us to love them Father, I pray you be with those even now that are being mobilized to go help care for them. In Jesus' name, amen. All of Romans is about our salvation in Jesus Christ. It is such a rich and glorious book. Amen. Today, we are reminded of the whole theme Of Romans about our helpless condition without Jesus Christ, that we are all under sin's condemnation, and that we are all guilty and shut up under sin and condemned, and God has provided for our redemption through the atonement of Jesus Christ. That salvation is not based on our works, but it's based on faith in the work of Jesus Christ. And that the law can never justify us or make us right with God, but it's the work of God for us in Jesus Christ, His Son. And that the flesh and sin, they are those nature, that nature, that sin nature, it is opposed to God, and that salvation is found by grace, and that grace should never lead us to live a life of sinfulness. but we are in union with Jesus Christ. And we're called to live a new life. And we've been liberate, liberated and given the power to live a new life in Jesus Christ. This is the message that we've been, we've been hearing in the book of Romans. And it's also in the very passage that we're, set, we're looking at today. Now, in Romans chapter 8, verse 3, it says, What the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. What did he do? He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son as a sin offering. God has made a provision for your liberation. He sets you free from something. And the first thing that he has set you free from is from the wages of your sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, and Christ has made atonement for your sin. He has set you free from the guilt of sin, and Jesus Christ became a sin offering for all of us. You've been set free. You've been liberated. You've been rescued from that old life. This week, I was reading about some of the rescues taking place and the aftermath of the hurricane that hit Florida. One was an 81-year-old woman in Punta Gorda. Her name is Susan De Gregorio, And she had planned to evacuate and leave her home in the face of the upcoming storm. But her good friend that was going to help her to leave had COVID-19. And because she had COVID-19, she was afraid to ride with her friend to evacuate and decided to stay in her home. Well, that's a whole other story, isn't it? She heard the aluminum siding ripping off of her house as the Cat 4 Ian Hurricane hit her house. It not only ripping off the siding, it ripped off the roof. Not only the roof, but it seemed like certain death was coming as the floodwaters poured into her house. As she was Fearful of being swept away, a Coast Guard helicopter came and rescued her. She said, I'll forever be grateful for those who saved me. Thousands were rescued, many unsung heroes. One was a passenger in a car in Naples, Florida. He was stranded inside of his vehicle. His name's Carl Rhodes. And river, the streets of Naples became like a river and he was stuck in his car and it was floating down the street, turning this way and that. He was stuck in the torrent of this river and a firefighter who was tethered swam to him through the torrent of that raging river, knocked out the window and dragged him to safety. My friends, you were saved from something greater than the torrent of a storm. You were lost in your trespasses and sins and on your way to hell, and you had no way to relieve the guilt of your sin. And Jesus Christ, God's own son, came, and he died on Calvary's cross and poured out his blood for you and for me. And he rescued us by his own son. Hallelujah. And he became the guilt offering for our sin, an offering for sin. It brings us back to the Old Testament when there was an offering, an innocent bull was given before the sins of the people and they laid their hands on that innocent animal and then that animal's neck was cut and the blood was captured and it was sprinkled on the horns of the altar and poured out at the base of the altar and that whole carcass of that animal was offered up in sacrifice to God, and it was for the atonement of our sin. But bulls and goats could never take away our sin. There had to be a precious Lamb of God who came without spot or blemish, with no sin nature, and that is Jesus Christ, the very Son of God. We had to be saved by a man, and that's Jesus. And we had to be saved by a perfect man, and that could only be the Son of God. And Jesus bore your sin on the cross, in his body and he paid for your sin in full. You can't work your way to heaven. God provided it through Jesus Christ. That's the greatest news I know in all of the world. God made him who knew no sin to become sin on our part so that we might be made right with God. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole... It's nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. Dark, dark is the stain I cannot hide. What can avail to wash it away? Look, look, there's a crimson tide. Whiter than snow you may be today. Don't you love those songs? Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin that left a crimson stain. He washed it. White as snow. All of our sin was paid for in Jesus. But not only did he pay the guilt of our sin, but he died to break the power of sin. You see, the law was good, Paul says, but the law couldn't set us free because it is weakened because of our flesh and the resident nature of sin that's in all of us. But God took our sin and he condemned sin. That means he judged sin and he executed sin. So that we no longer are under sin's power. He set you free to live a brand new life. In verse number three, he condemned not your sins, but your sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of a sinful flesh as a sin offering. Romans chapter number six, verse number one. What shall we say? Should we continue in sin that grace may multiply? Absolutely not, Paul said. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We're in union with Jesus Christ. Therefore, we're buried with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in the newness of life. Christ has done this work in us so that we can live a brand new life. Changed. We're in union with him. For in verse 5 he says, Romans 6, 5, For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. We know our old self was crucified with him so the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Since a person has died, he's free from sin. Oh, glorious thought that God has set us free from all of our sin. He's done this to liberate us, to change us, He's given us freedom from the power of sin in our life. Amen. O thou who died on Calvary to save my soul and make me free. I'll consecrate my life to thee, my Savior and my God. I'll live for him who died for me. How happy then my life shall be. I'll live for him who died for me, my Savior and my God. Amen. Secondly, God liberated us for a purpose. Now look look with me to the text. In verse number four, in order, that's a purpose clause. So verse four says, in order that the law's requirement might be fulfilled in us. What is the law's requirement? Well, the law's requirement, think with me for a minute, what does the law require? It requires obedience, amen? Obedience to the law. So if you break the law, you become a lawbreaker. So the law is given, and we are to obey the law. The problem is, all of us have broken the law. Jesus, some people say, well, Jesus... Jesus came, so that gets rid of the law altogether. Well, is that right? Look with me to Matthew's Gospel in chapter number 5. Do you have your Bible? So look with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 5. And then verse number 17. Don't think that I came to abolish the law of the prophets. These are the words of Jesus. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter, the one stroke of a letter, will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven But whoever teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever does and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So the law's demands are obedience. Now, how is the law summarized? In Matthew's gospel, chapter number 22, beginning with verse number 34. How is the law summarized? Listen to what Jesus has to say in Matthew chapter 22, beginning with verse 34. When the Pharisees heard that he silenced the Sadducees, they came together. And one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command of the law is the greatest? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor. As yourself. All the laws and the prophets depend on these two commands. They hang on these two things. So Jesus said all of the law is summarized in two things love God with all your heart. No other God's before him. You are to love God. You're not to use his name in vain. You're to love, not to worship any other idols. You're not to have idols in your heart. Love God with all that you have. Love him with your whole being. And the second, love one another. Love people. This is the very thing that Paul is leading to. Look with me in your Bible to the 13th chapter of Romans. Do you have your Bible? Verse number eight. Do not owe anyone anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Did you hear what Paul said? The one who loves another fulfills the law. Verse 10. The commandments... Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And any other commandment are summed up by this commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 10, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. Wow. Couldn't be more clear, could it? You see, God has called us to love, love him. Love other people. This is the new law that God's writing on our heart. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, setting us free to live a different life than you could have ever imagined. In the book of Galatians, in chapter number five, beginning with verse verse number 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one statement love your neighbor. As yourself. This is God's. This is what God is speaking to us about. This is the very purpose. Christ condemned sin on the cross, paying for all of your guilt, also setting you free from sin's power so that you might live a life of love. Can somebody say amen in here today? It's a whole new life. And you say, what what provision has God given for me so that I might live this life of of love and, and, and a love to God? Notice with me in Romans, back to our text. And notice, and it says, verse number four, in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us, that's love, who do not walk according to the flesh, but how? According to the Spirit. So Paul says there's two ways to walk, to live your life. You can live your life according to the flesh or live your life according to the Spirit. But if you're going to truly love people, you live your life according to the Spirit. Now, I want you to take your Bible and open it to me to, with me to the book of Galatians, and we're going to dr- drill down here for a moment. And so, if you have your Bible, look with me to Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 16. Galatians 5, verse 16, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. The flesh desires what is against the spirit. The spirit desires what's against the flesh. They are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. Now notice, he says, don't live your life according to the flesh. Now verse number 19, look with me. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I'm warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is living your life according to the flesh. You see, when you live your life according to the flesh, now stay with me. You make life all about you. All about you. It's, it's what I want. And I want what I want more than I care about what God says. I want more than I, what I want more than I care about you. I want what, but what I want more than I care about you even living. It's all about me. Fulfilling my cravings, what I think is right, what I think feels right. And so we abuse relationships and we reject God. This is the spirit of our age. It's my wants, it's my identity, what I say it is, it's my truth. It's my reality. It's my preference. It's my authority. It's my time. It's my life. It's my lifestyle. It's my rights. It's my protection. It's me. Do you see what happened? Who's on the throne of your heart? You. Yourself. This is not... A Christian life but we don't walk that way do we but here's how we do walk according to the Spirit now what's the Spirit do the Spirit liberates us from self notice chapter 5 again in Galatians verse 16 I say then walk by the Spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh The Holy Spirit gives you liberty to live this brand new life. Now, over against these deeds of darkness and the deeds of the flesh, he gives us the fruit of the Spirit. Look with me. Chapter 5, verse number 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Gentleness and self control. The law is not against such things. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We live by the Spirit. Let's keep in step with the Spirit. Amen. So, we see this outline of the fruit of the Spirit. It's love. And love shows itself in joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. It, he, he says, I, the Holy Spirit gives you freedom whew, to live a new life. I don't have to live the old way I used to live. Aren't you glad about that? Man, it's new. Whew, I can breathe. I don't have to live like I used to live. I can live a brand new life. Changed, transformed. I shed the old way of relating to God and to one another. And I can live a brand new life. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Free to live a brand new life. Hallelujah. And so it's a life that's free from idolatry. I don't have to live according to the idols of this world. I don't have to live an immoral life or impure life. Or I don't have to be hateful and striving and jealous and envious. And I don't have to have anger. And I don't have to have an addiction. I don't have to live in revenge And infighting and dysfunction. Now, listen, we grow up in all that dysfunction and all that discord and all that hate and all that way to relate to each other, but that's not the new life you got in Christ. So, I'm free to do something. I'm free to worship God. I'm free to have joy. I'm free to laugh. I'm free to forgive. Whew. I don't have to hold on to grudges. I'm free to let all of that go. And I'm free to have peace with one another and peace with God. And I don't have to exact revenge on somebody else. I, got, I, I don't have to. I can forgive. I'm free to forgive people. And not be held in bondage to all that. I'm free to be kind and patient and good and gentle and to be a person that God made me to be. But in this world, people rub against us and it wants to hook our old flesh, doesn't it? Am I preaching just to myself today? <laughs> I'll tell you about my old nature. I tell on myself all the time. I'm in traffic. Traffic is narrowing to one lane big signs merge ahead construction so i get in the lane that i'm supposed to be in but what do people do pass you on the left cut up in front of you does that ever aggravate anybody but me i'm trying to get up there so they can't get in that's my old nature be the policeman Oh, you're giggling because you do it too. <laughs> but what if I just said, hey, I've done that stupid thing myself? And what if you just give them space and say, come on in? And then I don't have to be angry. I don't have to be mad. I don't have to be revenge. Do you see what I'm saying? All of a sudden, I'm set free. I'm set free to be different. This is is what God's called us to be. To let it go. You're free to live a new life. Not be angry. Not fight for your rights. Life's too short, man. Life's too short and the gospel's too important. And the Spirit is alive in us. You're free to love people. It happens in life, doesn't it? Anybody ever get your feelings hurt? Then you're not alive, right? We get our feelings hurt. Somebody hurts us. Somebody embarrasses us. So what do we do? You hurt my feelings. What do we do? We sometimes coddle that feeling. What do we do? We act out of our dysfunction. That we were taught in our relationships. What do we do? We avoid that person. Don't want to talk to that person. Hide our feelings. Coddle them within us. You see them in the grocery store? You don't want to go in the aisle. You're trying to avoid them. Why? Because I got hurt. That hurts in me. That hurts eating me up. That hurts got a hold of me. So, what do we do? We break relationships with people. Then we just burn those relationships, or they're never the same. But what if we could live different? And when we're hurt, we give it to God. What if we live it different? You don't think I ever get hurt? Sure, I do. As a pastor, you love people, you want to love them you beside them, you pray for them, you visit them, you encourage them, you preach to them, you love them, you care for their family, and sometimes they hurt you. Sometimes they say things about you. Sometimes they get upset about one thing or another, and they blame you, and then they leave you. I'm just going to go somewhere else. Well, I know I shouldn't take it personally, but it feels just like this. This is what it feels like. I don't want you to be my pastor anymore. I don't want you to be my shepherd anymore. And you go somewhere else. Sometimes to justify people leaving, people go and they say harsh and hateful things, either about me or my family or our church family. It's hurtful. And so what do you want to do? You want to do is you hold it and coddle it and you don't want to feel... Love for those people And that's just wrong That's not of the spirit This week I had an encounter with a man Who left the church in an ugly, harsh way And said evil, awful things and, and did some betrayal things And I encountered him And when I encountered him God just gave me the ability to say Hey man, how are you? And, and I, God gave me within me All that to let go and I just loved him where he was at he Poured his heart out to me about all the stuff going on in his life. He wept with me. I wept with him. I prayed with him. When I got in my car, I prayed with him. All, I prayed for him on the way home. And all of that hurt and junk, that just went away. And all I did was care about him. That's when I'm at my best, not living in that dysfunction. You do it too. Thanksgiving's coming. You're going to have to encounter some family members, right? (laughs) It's the old junk that wants to eat you up. This is not the way of the Spirit. You're free. Free to let it go. Free to let God. Free to forgive. Free to trust. Free to love. Free to laugh. Free to... Be patient with people, free to rejoice when other people are successful, free to encourage. I often quote hymns, and so haters are always going to hate, 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 but just shake it off, baby. Live a new life. Live a new life. You don't have to live the old life. Isn't that good news? You see, Brother Tim, how do I do it? Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Now finally today, some distinguishing characteristics of God's people. Paul says there are pretenders and they live according to the flesh. But then there are authentic Christians and they live in the spirit. Now, first of all, let's look at these pretenders. Notice in chapter number eight, verse seven, the mindset of the flesh is hostile to God. Those that live according to the flesh are hostile to God. That means they're at war with God. They're resentful of God. And they're opposed to God. And they're opposed to his word. When you live in opposition and at war with God, you are not walking with God. Secondly, they rebel against authority. God's authority. Notice in verse number 7 it does not submit to God's law, indeed, it's unable to do so. So they're kicking against authority. It's very one of the very things that the Lord said to Paul when he was on that journey, actually, when he was known by the name Saul, he was going to Damascus, God encountered, he had an encounter with God on the road there, Knocked him to the knees, his knees, and said, "Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me?" Then he says this curious phrase, "Why are you kicking against the what?" Goads. What are goads? They're like sharp sticks, so that the animal does not kick against the plow, or the plowman does not kick against authority. Those sharp sticks injure you when you kick. And what he's saying is your rebellion is bringing nothing but injury to you. And I meet people all the time that claim that they're Christians, but they're living in rebellion against God and his word. That brings into doubt whether they're a Christian at all. Don't tell me that you're a Christian and you're living absolutely a godless life in rebellion against God and his word. You are not a Christian and you are not headed to heaven. Amen. They do not have peace with God. Verse 8, those in the flesh cannot please God. Verse number 6, the mindset of the flesh is death. They live in death. And verse number 9, notice... They do not belong to him. Notice verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, he does not belong to him. In the book of Ephesians, chapter number 2, verse 1. This is not in your notes. Write it down if you'd like and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, this is what it was like to live in death, which you previously walked according to the ways of the world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them, how in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclination of our flesh, and thoughts we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also this is not a believer but it's an unbeliever many have a form of godliness but they deny its power amen not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, enters the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father who is in heaven. Amen. Now compare that to the spiritually minded. And these are believers. Back in at chapter number 8, again, verse number 6. The mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. This is what God has given you in Christ, and not only peace but love down deep in your heart, and a desire to walk holy and live holy. Does that mean you will perfectly? No. But the desire to live holy is in your life. This is the work of God's Spirit in you, changing you, transforming you. In the Old Testament, the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 31, verse number 31. Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, this one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke even though I'm their master, the Lord's declaration. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel on those, after those days. Now listen, the Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer when one teaches neighbor or his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me. From the least to the greatest, this is the Lord's declaration, for I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin. This, isn't that a glorious word? He writes it on our heart, inside of our lives. The book of Ezekiel, a very similar passage. Notice in verse number 26. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit within you. I'll remove your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and observe my ordinances. This is the work of the Spirit. The new heart that God has given us. You don't have to live that old life. You can live a new life. This week I read a story about a couple of women and a a surgery that was done at Sanford Hospital in California. Tammy Griffin needed a new heart and new lungs. She had cystic fibrosis, and her lungs were ruined, her heart, and she needed to have a heart lung transplant together in one unit. But her heart was good, but the lungs were not. But then there was another woman waiting for a new heart, and her name is Linda Carr. And Linda needed a new heart. And so they did something called the Domino Procedure. And they did a heart-lung transplant for Tammy. And then they took Tammy's heart, which was good, and they put it in Linda. And Linda, was both women, were saved by these new organs. And there was a picture of Tammy with a stethoscope listening at the chest of Linda, and she was listening to Linda's heart, and it was her heart beating in Linda. And then Linda Carr said to Tammy Griffin, I'll do my best to take care of your heart that's in me. The God of heaven, Did a heart transplant in his people. And it's the heart of his son. And when that heart beats in us, it leads us to live a life for the glory of God and not ourselves. God has done that in you. You've been free to live a new life. Now, which life describes you? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Are you living a liberated and changed life? By the way, this is the way that we know there are His when we love one another. Father, thank you for your word. It's true. It's powerful. It's transformational. Thank you for these truths that were given to us through your word today. Holy Spirit of God, convict us, convert us, change us. Lord, we can't live this life without you. and Lord, we don't want to live in the flesh. We want to walk in the Spirit. Thank you, God, for so loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.